Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Come on, side, side, Today's show is sponsored by PDM. Pod Digital Media, the number one multicultural podcast app, is here. PDM, Pod Digital Media, is the very first Black-owned podcast app. You can listen to shows from every single category, like sports, business, health, lifestyle, and culture, all from creators of color like me. Download it today in the Apple App Store and listen to new shows. Plus, if you want to release a podcast, record it and release it directly from the app. PDM, Pod Digital Media app. Download it right now. Tell them Ed Lover sent you. Come on, side, side. Check, 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 check. What up, y'all? It's Ed Lover. Welcome to Flowers, my very first podcast of Flowers. Flowers is a podcast where we look out for people who are alive and well right now, and we give them their props or their flowers for things that they've done. It doesn't matter what... Um, it doesn't matter what genre they're in. It, we could cover an actor. We could cover an actress, football player, baseball player, mover, shaker, businessman, tycoon. And it doesn't matter what color they are. It's just about giving people their flowers. And a lot of these people deserve their flowers because they're unheralded. And people don't really, really talk about them and give them their flowers. So... The first episode I want to do is uh, uh, from a man who inspired me to be who I am today because he's from my neighborhood in Queens, New York, and I'm talking about Russell Simmons. If you remember the Jay-Z, Nas beef, Jay and Rockefeller was through Def Jam, and Russell Simmons was one of the owners of Def Jam, and, and Nas said, Queens niggas run y'all niggas, ask Russell Simmons. Well, the tree of Russell Simmons is so incredible. And i like to get to that later. But first, let me tell you what Wikipedia says about Russell Simmons, and I'll jump into it. This is according to Wikipedia. And Krista, who's my producer, within this, I want you to play in the beginning of this, before I even start talking, play a little bit of Russell's record that he did. And you can find it. It was on Def Jam. Oh, hold up. Before we get started, I want everybody to know my name is Russell Rush, and I come to place the cold rock stuff. I got my man, the doctor. Doctor, how you feel, doctor? <laughs> Dr. Jekyll's in the house. Doctor, doctor, we go down. Let's go. Daddy J's in the place. Everybody, look at it. Look at it. 
Russell Rush, I rock the cold, hard rock stuff. And Russell also did a record with uh, De La Soul called Saturday. Okay, so. According to Wikipedia, Russell Wendell Simmons <laughs> was born in the Hollis neighborhood of New York City's borough of Queens on October 4th, 1957. His dad was a public school administration administrator. His mom was a park administrator for the city of New York City, uh, of course, because you know there's New York State and there's New York City. So she's a park administrator for New York City's Park and Recreation Department. His brother's a painter, Daniel Simmons Jr., who Russell always does his annual thing in the Hamptons to benefit art because of his brother Daniel Simmons Jr. And Joseph Simmons, better known to everybody in this world as Run of Run DMC. In 1975, after graduating from August Mon High School, where I graduated from in 1981, Russell, myself, Kelly Price, Lloyd Banks, all alums of August Mon High School, and so is my wife. Simmons briefly attended the City College of New York in Harlem, where he met, guess who? DJ B-Boy Kurt Walker, who is known by the name of Curtis Blow, who influenced Russell to participate in a hip-hop phenom. All right. Upon hearing Eddie Chiba perform in Harlem in 1977, Russell knew that hip-hop would be his career. Simmons stated, hearing Chiba in 77 made me feel like I had just witnessed the invention of the wheel, and technically, he had. In those days, let me explain to you a little about hip-hop and the way I knew hip-hop in 77, 78, or whatever. There were guys out there by... Uh, there were, oh, what the hell just happened? There were guys out there that were incredibly gifted. Okay? Incredibly gifted. But there was really no records going on out there. And being from Queens, which is one of the outer boroughs, we really didn't get that full-on experience to later on with Run DMC, but that's, that's much later. And LL Cool J, that's in, you know, main source. Everybody that comes from Queens, Large Professor, Tribe Called Quest, everybody in Rock Him, all that. Of course, Molly Mile, Juice Crew, Nas. Okay, we're not going through that. But let me tell you about Russell. There was an ice cream parlor on Hollis, and Russell used to throw parties in the ice cream parlor. And we'd pay our money to go into the ice cream parlor, parlor and DJ, I mean, not DJ, and to party. Now, if you were old enough, you got in straight up, but being a youngin' like me, I wasn't really old enough, but I was from the neighborhood, and we'd get into that party by hook or by crook. And sometimes he would bring Curtis Blow in there before Curtis Blow had records to MC and, and keep the party going. 
and Curtis Blow had a young protege that would sometimes DJ the party, not MC, DJ the party by the name of Run. DJ Run, the son of Curtis Blow. And that's how our introduction to Russell Simmons being from our neighborhood happened. So there were cats out there like Eddie Chiba. There were cats out there like DJ Hollywood. There was a lot of cats out there. Now, one cat that I knew had gotten his start listening to Eddie Chiba was a cat by the name of Woody Wood. And I emulated Woody Wood, what Woody Wood was doing, because Woody Wood had Woody's Angels. And Woody Wood would say a rhyme out, and then his angels would answer him. So me being a young MC wanting to get on the mic going by the name of Eddie D, at the time, I had my own crew of girls, which was my sisters and my neighbors, and they were called the MC crew. So it was Eddie D and the MC crew, and I would go to block parties, and I would get on the mic, and I would bring my girls, my sister and her friends, and they would have shirts on that said MC crew, and they had my name on the sleeve, and my name, Eddie D, and I would say certain rhymes that I heard or I wrote, whichever one, and the girls would call back and respond. So if I said, MC crew, what you got for me? They go, two turntables in the dope MC. I go, MC crew, what we going to do? They go, go down, go down, ha, ha, go down. So that was my crew, and I got that from DJ Woody Wood and Woody's Angels. Woody got it from Eddie Chiba. Russell heard Eddie Chiba. And his version of Eddie Chiba was Curtis Blow. Russell Simmons is responsible for Curtis Blow getting his deal on Mercury. Listen to Curtis Blow talk about how Russell helped him get his deal on Mercury. Now that's important because Curtis Blow had the fourth rap record to ever come out, but the most longest lasting rap record next to Rapper's Delight, I would say. Because the first one was Fatback Band featuring King Tim III called Personality Jock. The second one was the one that blew up and took over the world. That was Rapper's Delight. The third one was Spooning Rap by Spoonie G. And then right after Spoonie G, Christmas Rapping came out. Curtis Blow being the first artist signed to a major label, Mercury Records. Mercury had Cameo and all the kind of groups like that back in the 70s. Curtis Blow was the first rap artist signed. Now, he was signed into England and his records as an English artist and his records came back to America as an import. But after Curtis Blow took off, that put Russell Simmons in a prime position to do whatever he wanted to do in the music business. Now, when Russell met Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin had already started Def Jam in his dormitory at NYU. He got with Russell because Russell was already established in the music business, having already had a gold single with Curtis Blow's Christmas rapping that you hear every fucking year. It never fails. It plays, okay? And then the breaks. The breaks went platinum, and that's what made them make Curtis Blow's first album, and he was being managed by Russell Simmons. Russell heard Rick Rubin, I met Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin was doing a record label called Def Jam out of his dormitory at NYU. Okay, Rick Rubin had already put out T. LaRock and Jazzy Jeff. Once Russell got with Rick and they became partners, that's when the synergy and the energy started really floating and they signed a young man. Well, Rick signed a young man by the name of The Goat, 
the greatest of all time, Mr. LL Cool J, also from my neighborhood. Once Run DMC got signed way before this. Remember, after Curtis Blow, he got Run DMC. And Run DMC is already signed to um, Corey Robbins and Profile, which was also the home of Salt and Pepper. Okay? He has already established himself. This is Russell Simmons as a manager. He's managing Curtis Blow, and he's managing Run DMC that goes on to be the biggest hip-hop group in the freaking world. So he got Curtis Blow already. He got Run DMC already. He gets with Ruben. They have LL Cool J. And then they take LL Cool J's record, Radio, and puts it in a Crush Groove movie. So his company, Rush Communications, was ridiculous. He had Rush Management. When Dre and I came along in 89 on Young TV Rats, we were signed under Rush Management not far after we were on MTV because we knew Russell and, and Leor Cohen had all the groups. Now, Leor goes on to do amazing things, which I will touch on. I just want to show you how important this tree of Russell is. Also working in Russell Simmons' office at that time, is a young man that had a rap group out called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. High by the name of Andre Harrell. Andre Harrell goes on to start Uptown. You understand? Russell and Ruben, Rick Ruben, were partners in Def Jam out of a college dormitory in 1984. Russell did not get off of Def Jam or stop messing with Def Jam until 96 and he sold his portion of his company to the universal music group in 1986 so even during his tenure i don't want to jump to 96 i want to stay in the 80s at one time def jam had probably two of the biggest acts in the world with the beastie boys and ll cool j and Russell had Rush Management, which were at the time, their roster was so heavy. Because you got to understand, Russell and Rick Rubin, starting Def Jam, that opened the door for everybody else to get signed to wherever people were trying to go. It didn't happen immediately in 79, I think it was, 77 or 79. One of those when, when Rapper's Delight came out. It didn't happen for people because... Rapper's Delight was on the independent. It was Sugar Hill Records, right? So they caught up and they got Melly Mel and all of them. But listen to the way the music sounded. The music was a band playing, uh, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? R&B track and the rappers rapping over R&B tracks. Russell and Rick Rubin made hip hop music the way hip hop music sounded when you went to a jam, and, and you went to a jam, you went, you came out, you was like, yo, that's a Def Jam, and that's how they came up with the name Def Jam. So they had LL Cool J, who had a gold album his first time out, and they had the Beastie Boys signed to Def Jam, and the Beastie Boys was one of the first groups ever to sell 10 million albums with License to L, and that was under Def Jam Records. So now the leverage for Def Jam Records to sign acts and to deal with other acts is crazy. That leverage, because at the same time, Russell is still managing Curtis Blow. 
and he's still managing his brother's group, Run DMC, and the late great Jam Master J. And you still got a young Andre Harrell working in that office. And for all of y'all don't know who Andre Harrell is, Andre Harrell is Uptown Records. Andre Harrell is Puffy, P. Diddy, Diddy. Andre Harrell is Mary J. Blige. Andre Harrell is Jodeci. Andre Harrell is Christopher Williams. Andre Harrell is Jeff Red, and and not to mention Soul Pharrell, Heavy D and the Boys. Heavy D and the Boys were on Uptown Records because Father MC also because Andre comes from whose tree? Russell Simmons. The whole 300 group with Young Thugger and, and, and all of them. That's all Leo Cohen. What tree does Leo Cohen come from? The Russell Simmons tree. A lot of very successful entrepreneurs, managers, artists, people who, let me give you, let, I'll give you a classic example. Nas is from Queens. Faith Newman took Nas to Def Jam. Russell and Lear, I think Rick was gone by that time, passed on Nas. They didn't sign Nas. She believed in Nas so much that she left and went to Columbia Records and signed Nas to Columbia. That's still Faith Newman worked at Def Jam. That's still from Russell Simmons' tree. Lear Cohen, eventually Kevin Lyles. Kevin Lyles, still part of the Russell Simmons tree. That's DMX, that's Rockefeller's Jay-Z, that's eventually Joel Santana, that's, that's, that's all that. Everything that was signed, that's, that's Method Man, that's Red Man, that's EPMD, all of these great groups. And if Russell didn't have them sign the Def Jam, he managed them. He managed them. He managed LL. He managed, well, LL was signed to Def Jam and still under the management contract at the time, early on. Eric B and Rock Kim, the Afros, and then check Russell's tree out because Rush, Russell got Rush Associated labels through Columbia, and that's where a lot of the Afros come from, the JMJ records. Don Newkirk was signed in there. Don't forget Montel Jordan was signed to Def Jam. It's all under Russ's, Russ's tree. No face records. We gave you BWP and we gave you Live Squad. Live Squad is the reason why Tupac meets Stretch. And Stretch produces with his brother Madge for Pac. That comes from me, which comes from Rush Associated Labels, which comes from Def Jam, which comes from Russell Simmons. His tree is heavy, man. The things that Russell has done is heavy. Let's start with Crush Groove. Charlie Stetler is in the movie. He plays Beaker and Crush Groove. He manages the Fat Boys and later on Dr. Dre and that lover. Dr. Dre and that lover narrates the Fat Boys hip hopper album. But somehow it's all connected back to Russell Simmons. There's no biggie. There's no biggie because Puff would have never been at Uptown. Uptown would have never got started if it wasn't for Russell Simmons. 
it would have never got started. Puff would not be Puff if he didn't learn from Andre, and Andre would have never been Andre Harrell if he didn't learn from Russell. So there's no bad boy. There's no 112. There's no total. There's no faith. There's no mace. There's no black rob. You dig where I'm coming from? There's no notorious B.I.G., which in turn gave birth to Lil' Kim, Lil' C's. Do y'all feel me on this? All of this stuff in one way or another is connected to the amazing Russell Simmons. Now, he sold his share of the company for $120 million to Universal Music Group in 96. 1985, though, he co-produced and appeared in the film Crush Groove. His company, Rush Communications, includes over 10 businesses and three nonprofits. With his partner, Stan Lathan, he also produced HBO hits, Def Comedy Jam, Def Poetry Jam, which was huge also. And still got a development deal with HBO. He produced, co-produced, The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's 96. 97, co-produced Def Jam's How to Be a Player, which gave Bill Bellamy his big, biggest movie that he had done to, up until that time. But we put Bill Bellamy in Who's the Man in 93. This connection is crazy. Connection, y'all. In 92, he launched Fat Fashions LLC, Fat Farm, P-H-A-T, and Fat Baby Labels. Then, when he got married to Kimora, he gave Kimora Baby Fat. Ralph, uh, Ralph, Russell was cool with people like Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, and all of that. So he gave his line that classic look and feel. Don't forget he had the Argyle culture. He had perfumes. He had jewelry, merchandise. Crazy. Crazy. It was it, That whole line of his was carried by over 3,000 Retailers in the United States of America. Can we give Russell Simmons his props, y'all? Can we give Russell Simmons his props for all that he's done in hip-hop and all the people that Russell influenced or indirectly or directly had something to do with them in their careers? DMX saved Def Jam. Rest in peace, DMX. Signed to Def Jam. Jay-Z. One of the greatest of all time, I like to call him the greatest living rapper for his influence, his business savvy, his impact on pop culture even to this day. When Jay speaks, people listen. He's like E.F. Hutton. You don't even have to talk a lot. But Jay Rockefeller, Def Jam. And even though Russell has sold his stake, he was still a consultant and a head of, of that company, a lot of stuff still had to run through Russell, even though he wasn't like everyday hands-on like he had been at one time. Well, Rick was gone. It was The music was changing. It was different. You know? But he was still hands-on. But it's still... It's, if it's Lior and Lior worked with Russell, isn't it still from the Russell Simmons tree that these things happen? Isn't, isn't that... Don't that make sense to y'all? I mean, everybody listening, don't you see why I'm giving Russell Simmons? Let's let's let Rick Rubin talk about 
their first record under Def Jam with Russell Simmons. It's yours by Tila Rock and Jazzy J. Listen to Rick Rubin talking and Russell talking about it. Commentating, illustrating, description, giving, adjective experts, analyzing, summarizing, musical myth seekers, people love to you. It's like the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. I heard that shit. I was like, what the fuck? And I tracked him down. It took a long time for it to, for before people. Before I to, heard it? If, it? if you heard it on the radio, it came out nine months before that. Get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? You? Yes. bought a hip-hop record they were two completely different experiences i just wanted to make records that sounded like what it sounded like at the club which was in some ways more about the dj and in fact the other records that were out the sugar hill records sounded like r&b records they were all people who made r&b records so they made an r&b record and then put a guy rapping on it and thought that was a rap record but really that wasn't a hip-hop record i remember bringing i need a beat to russell playing it for him in his office. And I said, what should we do with this? There were no good options. And I thought maybe we could do it ourselves as good as people who didn't care or didn't do the work and we, we had passion for it. If we'd sold enough 12 inches to make another 12 inch, that was the whole goal. There were no expectations of anything. Yeah, and everybody knows back in those days, it was a wide open secret that Russell had a slight cocaine problem. <laughs> I like to hear Russ talking about one of his favorite Def Jam memories. Here's Russell Simmons talking about Age of Dust, y'all. What's your, uh, what's your favorite memory together? Hello, you know, remember you said how long the Burgundy label seemed like it was 20 years? Yeah. How much money must have had? My favorite memory, I mean, with walking in the store with I Need a Beat playing, I'm not playing, um, Need a Beat selling. They had sold a box of records, and the motherfuckers who owned the records didn't know. It was definitely not played, no radio, nowhere, no nothing. And we had sold a box of records. And just because of the logo you created, the logo you created, said, oh, that's the next Def Jam. It was already after one record. And the only record that before that only sold whatever, you know, singles at the time. I, uh, you know, it's yours, but the, the fact that we were selling the records, and then we took it out the box and played for the owner, he was like, oh, shit. So I remember that. That was good. Is that good? Is that the way it happened? Went down? Went to that I little record? Remember, little... but I believe you if you said it. Yeah, nigga, you, was, you were right there. We walked in the record store, that little cool record store that sold DJ's I records. Was dust. <laughs> no, I, no, I was smoking dust. No, I was smoking dust. I don't remember sober. anything. You know, it, it's just amazing to hear people talk about Russell Simmons. Here's, here's another, I wanted to play a couple of clips for y'all, if y'all don't mind. You know, the Beastie Boys were one of the biggest groups that Def Jam had ever seen now. Run DMC wasn't on Def Jam, as I told you earlier. Run DMC was on Profile. Russell brokered that deal over there. They came before Russell met Rick Rubin. Def Jam was starting in 84. Run DMC and it was already out 82, 83. So the Beastie Boys were their flagship act at the time because... Shit, he didn't know them white boys were going to blow up like that. But hip-hop was in his infancy, and white people was listening to hip-hop just as much as black people going downtown to Danceteria and the Roxy to see the acts. 
just as much as we are. Here's a little clip of the Beastie Boys from Russell Simmons behind the music. And in 1986, Def Jam released something nobody had seen before. An album by a white rap group. The Beastie Boys' debut album, Licensed to Ill, became the first rap album ever to hit number one on the Billboard chart. They were marketed without pictures because we know about the prejudices of people. Because they're racist, they're racist, racist against white people. And jealous. You gotta fight for your right to party. We put them on tour with Run DMC. When they got on, when they got on the stage, people would be like, They became MTV's favorite band, MTV's least favorite and most favorite band. They're the most hated and the most loved. And that's what you always want to be. They speak of you being dusted out your head. No, not out of my head. I, I, I handled it, I think. I handled it. We never had any idea of what we were doing. We were just trying to make good records and make records that we liked. And everything else really happened naturally. But looking back now, it's really phenomenal. Let's keep it real for a moment. Quite a few people suffered financially during this pandemic, and now is the best time ever to make sure your bank account works with you and not against you. So listen, Chime is an award-winning app and debit card with no hidden fees nor monthly minimums. Listen, we all make mistakes, yours truly included. And those packed on overdraft fees are the worst. But with Chime, you get fee-free overdraft on up to $100 in debit purchases with SpotMe. It's like overdraft protection, but better. Get your paycheck, benefits, and tax return up to two days earlier with Chime's direct deposit. And again, no hidden fees or monthly minimums. My friends, join the millions on Chime. Sign up. Takes two minutes and does not impact your credit score at all. You earned your money and you deserve to keep every cent of it. So start saving and apply now at Chime.com slash EdLover. That's Chime.com slash EdLover. Chime is a financial technology company. Banking services provided by the Bancor Bank or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $100 by Chime. Early direct deposit depends on the payer. Out-of-network cash withdrawal fees apply. Third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Go to Chime.com slash EdLover for details. I hope y'all enjoying it so far. I'm giving Russell Simmons his props because Russell Simmons deserves his props he gave you so many amazing amazing executives amazing producers amazing artists he built Def Jam with Rick Rubin a staple in hip-hop I got so many friends that used to at one time work for Def Jam or still work for Def Jam There's so many people that came through. Paul Rosenberg, who was Eminem's manager, was once president of Def Jam. DNY, Rough Riders, through Def Jam. Rockefeller, Irv Gotti, Ja Rule, Method Man, all through Red Man, all through EPMD, 
all through Def Jam? The opportunity to build your own brand and to do your own thing while having a joint venture with Def Jam. Cam, Killer Cam, Dipset, had a joint venture through Def Jam. It doesn't matter who became what when they got a chance to, to have the, at, be at the helm of Def Jam. Even Snoop right now is a consultant with Def Jam. Jeezy is a consultant with Def Jam. Jay-Z used to be the president of Def Jam. Rihanna's on Def Jam. All of these people that you love, all of these artists that you admire, some of the greatest executives in the world, a lot of them, got their start at Def Jam or are part of the Russell Simmons Def Jam tree in some way, shape, or form. So this man deserves his flowers. He deserves me to lay his flowers at his feet. Now, Russell is not without controversy. I'm going to tell you that. Russell's not without controversy whatsoever. Okay? Russell has, has had some accusations leveled against him. Here's three women talking about how Russell Simmons allegedly raped him. Take a listen. I did not want to come forward. It was the last thing I wanted to do. Everyone said, don't do it. It's going to ruin your life. I felt like no matter what I said, nobody was going to hear us. I was helping him cover it up for 22 years. And I thought, well, let me see what it feels like to just let it go. Let me try. Drew Dixon, Salai Abrams, and Alexia Norton-Jones say they're all survivors of sex crimes committed by media mogul Russell Simmons. This is pedestal rape. This is violently tackled and raped. It's rape. While saying no and fighting and crying. Drew Dixon says she was working with Simmons when he allegedly attacked her in 1995. I literally worked for him. He was ordering me a car and he told me to come upstairs and pick up a demo. I thought I would be in his apartment for five total minutes. That's it and he showed up naked wearing a condom and tackled me to his bed while I screamed and fought and said no and cried. That's rape. Salai Abrams says she occasionally dated Russell Simmons. I mean, back in the day, we would just say you hooked up. I mean, you hung out. It Regardless, she says, that part of their relationship was over before Simmons allegedly raped her in 1994. He'll say, yes, we had a sexual relationship, but he cannot address the fact that I was too drunk to consent and that the next day I called him up screaming and I attempted suicide and I told him why that he had ruined my life and that I had nothing. I don't want to minimize anything that these women say. I think it's, it's terrible to some of the things that women have to go through. And I think rape is absolutely a horrendous act to perpetuate against a woman. To force sex on a woman without her will is disgusting in every way, shape or form. So I, I, I say that to say that Russell is not without his controversy. And I would be a one-sided idiot from Hollis, Queens, New York, if I didn't at least speak on the controversy surrounding Russell Simmons. Russell has not been found guilty of anything in a court of law. But when over 20 women talk about this, you know, and when my friend, Lord Jamal, from Brand Nubians, 
who has a friendship with Rus one of Russell's accusers, says she's credible. Take a listen. Russell Simmons had a whole string of allegations. Um, and this he had one, one hits home. That one hits home. Yeah. The one that fucked me up is, is the executive that used to work at Def Jam. Like, she's the one that signed us to Arista Records. That's like, yeah. Psh, yo, it's, it's crazy because we used to be signed to Rush Management back in the days. So technically, oh, Russell okay. was our manager, even though really Lior handled the day to day. But like, Russell was our manager. Um, and then later on in life, one of these accusers was our A&R, you know? And um, this is all close to home. Yeah, it's all close to home. It's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, and I, I never saw any, you know, yeah. I never was around Russell like that to see any indication of anything like that. You know what I mean? So I can't even really comment, you know. Yeah, I don't even really, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm going to say as far as in this particular situation, like the sister that I know is making an accusation, like I know her to be like a credible woman, like, I, you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like she's the type that would just be like pulling this out of the air. And that's all I could say as far as, you know, as that. I wasn't there, but at the same time, you kind of know people sometimes, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta go sometimes on the energy and I just don't see that as, you know, I was shocked when I saw who it was and, and I kinda, you know, I'm not gonna discount her story because I know her, you know what I mean? And I just don't feel like that would be some made up shit. So Russell absolutely has a lot of things that he has to answer for. He's claiming innocence on each and every case, but I cannot talk about Russell Simmons without talking about the controversy that surrounds Russell Simmons. But at the same time, giving him his flowers for what he has done and what he has contributed to hip hop and what he has contributed to music in general. My name is Russell Rush, and I rock the cold, cold hard rock stuff. Russell is, without the shadow of doubt, the most famous person to ever come out of my high school, August Martin High School in Queens, New York. Big shout out to everybody that went to or attended August Martin or graduated from August Martin. Russell's that dude, man. Listen to Run from Run DMC right now. Russell's brother. Biggest rap group in the world at one time. Absolutely. Listen to Run on how Run DMC got started and his times with LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys. And this is all because of his brother. So um, basically, my brother Russell Simmons, yes. he was into hip hop early on. Mm -hmm. And since he was into hip hop, you know, I'm like, what is going on? Because I used to hear, yo, your brother was on the mic last night. So he was actually touching the mic before me. He wasn't rapping, but he was promoting parties. Right. So I'd wake up in the morning and go up to Hollis and say, Russell was at such and such. I was like, really? What is this? Because before that, before DJing started in like the earliest 70s, I remember it was just bands coming out in front of people's houses. Right. Then it changed to DJs coming out in front of people's houses on a block party. Right. And Russell used to go to the block parties and promote his little party. He's always been a businessman. So um, Russell went to college and he got with a dude named Curtis Walker, who was Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow. And I was just jocking them. You know, they come home, I want to cook breakfast for them, make sure they're good, because I wanted <laughs> to be down. So I was like, yo, what's going on? How, you know, how could I do this? And I snuck my way in to be a DJ for Curtis Blow. Smart. I was the son of Curtis Blow. So I used to do shows for like $30 a show. I used to DJ for Kurt. 
And this is right before he was making records, and then he put out Christmas Rapping. That's right. Christmas Rapping came out, I was the DJ, and by the time the breaks came out, I had broke my arm playing basketball. So Davey D stepped in. Oh. And I had to go to school during the winter, and Kirk was touring big because of the breaks. So I got with my man DMC, who's from, we went to St. Pascal's together in Hollis. Right. So when I got with him, <clears throat> I kept nagging Russell because Davey already had my job. You know, Davey DMX. That's right. Davey D, you, you are, are the best. best. Right. right. So he had my job, and I was like, me and D got something. And they were looking at us, um, Larry Smith and Russell, and they put together a demo tape called It's Like That. And that's mm. the way it is. We took it to Profile Records, and it was over. Done deal. Done. And we found Jam Master J was from Hollis, and I kept telling him every day, yo, me and this dude named Daryl, we got a record company. We want you to be the DJ. And Jay was like, I got you, run. I got you, because he was like the gangster from Hollis. Yes. Like, I got you. I'm like, all right, we got a show at the Fever. He was like, I'll be there. Came on the train. Like, yeah, we got Jay from Hollis. <laughs> so Jay came with the big hat. We didn't even wear the hats yet. You know, that's the But gangster. Jay had the hat up. Come on. That's Jay had the old, hat early. The old gangster came from Jay. He had the hat early, the leather suit. Like, he's there, no shoestrings in him, but the glasses poked out. Real b-boy. So how does... So um, we kind of formed our look behind yeah, Jay. Yeah, how does... So, so, so Jay, Jay had that, that, that real, real gangster, right, hip-hop, b-boy, right. whatever look, and you guys um, we together. We were from St. Pascal's, and we were, we were good kids. I mean, we were from Hollis, but Jay was from Hollis. Um, talk about your brother real quick in Def Jam. Were you, were you available? Um, did you see it grow? Did you, were you right there? Did you help him with any decisions? Or was that all Russell, and was that all um, He was the Lior, boss. Lior, and was that all, you Lior know? Lior came through me, but Russell... He was the boss, he used to give parties, like I was telling you earlier. Mm -hmm. And the parties that he gave, me and D used to just give out the flyers for. Before rap records were made, it'd be in my attic, there'd be a bunch of flyers, I'd take an arm full of them, he'd give us $20, we go plaster up all of Jamaica Avenue, all of the city to say a rush. Rush was a force in college parties. So he was a businessman. So that's how Russell started through giving parties. And then he became an independent record promoter. He had a little card, Rush. So he'd go and take records and give them to the DJ Enoughs. Right. So this is the new record by Curtis Blower. This is the new record by Sheik or whatever. Right, whatever so he would meet with people and say, I got you. I'm the streets. I'm going to promote the records. And that's how Russell got started. He went from a, um, a party promoter right. to um, the guy that gives you the records to putting out Curtis Blow, Run DMC, LL Beasties, and he just kept going and he How sold much? all those companies. Can anybody else name two brothers as famous as, as Russell and and uh, Joseph? Uh, AKA Run from Run DMC? Man, let me tell y'all a, a, a funny ass Russell Simmons story. So the black radio exclusive is going down in New Orleans one year. And uh, Leor gets a plane for all of us to go to New Orleans. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something. If this plane had crashed, hip-hop would have been fucked up. Because on this plane was Run DMC, LL Cool J, Run DMC and Jam Master J, and Jam Master J's group, the Afros. EPMD was on the plane. Myself and Dr. Dre, T-Money were on the plane. Eric B. and Rakim was on the plane. Um, Slick Rick was not on the plane because he was afraid to fly at the time, so he took the train down. But there's a Keith Murray on the plane. There's a lot of 
all of us just associated with Russell Simmons and Russell Associated Labels are all on the same plane. And we get off the plane, and Leo has, like, one of them second-line bands playing for us when we get off the plane in the, in the lobby. And Russell was there, and Russell's like, come on, Leo. Like, what the fuck is you doing? Like, the, this is hip-hop brothers. They don't want to hear that. He ain't used the word brothers, but you know what I meant by that. And this is the impact that Rush Associated Labels and Rush Management Listen to the beginning of Paid in Full when Eric B. asked Rakim, so who we rolling with, huh? We rolling with Rush, Rush Town Management. That's who Russell Simmons and Rush was and are and, and have been for a very long time. This is why this man is so important to hip-hop as you and I know it. And it doesn't matter if it's new hip-hop or if it's old hip-hop. It really doesn't matter because the tree is incredible. Think about that. Think about the tree. Think about Jay-Z being the president of Def Jam. Jay-Z gave us so much title and all that. That business acumen was learned over dealing with Def Jam and dealing with his partner, Dame Dash, who I couldn't find no audio on talking about Russell Simmons. Another great, great, great executive that at one point had something to do with Def Jam. It's crazy. Hello, Cool J. I mentioned him before, one of the greatest of all time. You want to talk about Russell Simmons and LL? Is LL talking about Russell? Check it out. Presenting to Russell Simmons, and uh, Russell Simmons is, you know, he's a philanthropist, entrepreneur. Uh, he helped give me my break in, in my life and helped start my career, and he's a visionary. He truly is a visionary, and when you say the word producer, you got to draw a line, and most of the time it's vision, you know, creativity. That's a big part of it. So for me, this is a special night. I just think it's so damn amazing that this guy, this one little black dude from Hollis, Queens, can change the world along with his partner, Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin deserves just as much props as Russell Simmons does, and he deserves his flowers also for being one of the earliest, dopest hip-hop producers of LL Cool J, Run DMC, giving Run DMC that incentive to make Walk This Way, even though they weren't signed to his label, where Aerosmith became one of the biggest records they ever had. He deserves it, man. All of these, this, this tree is crazy. I remember when me and my band, we were the function freaks at the time. And we snuck into Jack the Rapper, which was a big convention that happened in Atlanta every year. During that convention, I met a young man by the name of MC Hammer, the Holy Ghost Boy. And he could dance and he could rap. His rapping never impressed me, but the way he could dance was crazy. I remember him telling me how big he was going to be. And I remember us being in the lobby with a big-ass box and our demo tape in the box because we were trying to, you know, everybody wanted to be on Def Jam. And we saw Russell Simmons getting into an elevator and we ran in the elevator right before the door closed and we hit the play button on our tape and forced Russell to listen to our, at least as much as our demos we can let him listen to before he got off on his floor. And um, 
He never signed us as a band, but he always remembered that we had the moxie and the gall and the desperation and the thirst to bum rush Russell the way we bum rush Russell. And later on, that moxie and that thirst actually manifested itself into our very own label called No Face Records. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Russell Simmons did for us, man. And we put out the single half on, on his label. And um, we had our own album, Wake Your Daughter Up, on the Rush Associated label. We signed Bitches With Problems, which was a female version of NWA, way before before HWA, which was Hoes With Attitude. We had BWP, Bitches With Problems. And we had the Live Squad, Recipe Stretch. We had all of them, man. We had that, that hustle made me introduce Stretching Them to Queen Latifah, who brought Monica Lynch to listen to a demo that I played for her that got the live squad signed to Tommy Boy. That's the hustle I learned from Russell. You know what? Russell gave me the hustle. I shouldn't fucking print a T-shirt that says Russell gave me the hustle with the Def Jam logo on the T-shirt. That'd be a dope-ass T-shirt because he's touched so many people. You know, Uptown started. Puff was an intern. Puff used to sneak on a train from his HBCU College of Howard University and lock himself in the bathroom when they came around to ask for tickets so he can intern for no pay with Andre Harrell. And look at what Puff gave us. And Andre came from the Russell Umbrella. Look what Leora and Kevin Lyles have given us. Look what Rick Rubin has given us. 99 Problems was one of Rick Rubin's productions. Let's not talk about the rock and roll stuff that Rick Rubin produced after he left Def Jam and took his money and did his own thing. Def American. Def American was Rick Rubin's label. Def Jam, he started, partnered with Russell, left Def American. All of, Look it up. I'm not going to Google this shit for y'all. Look up all the artists that were on that label, that, all the stuff that came from that partnership. I would like to say thank you, Mr. Russell Simmons, for all that you've contributed to hip-hop. And I hope one day somebody plays this for you. For all that you contributed to music, that all that you contributed to make my little community of Hollis, Queens, New York, believe that we can be somebody. DJ Envy, Queens. DJ Clue. Queens, Salt and Pepper, Queens, Eric B, Queens, Molly Maul, Queens, Tribe Called Quest, Queens, Run DMC, Queens, Kid and Play, Queens, and everybody that you've influenced from Long Island, from Harlem, from Brooklyn, from Yonkers, from the Bronx, from having J.O. Felony from the West Coast signed to Def Jam, for everybody that you touched. Domino, I believe, was on Def Jam. Everybody that you touched, bro. My man Jay Stock, giving him a job at Def Jam. Come on, y'all. 
the influential Def Jam records and the influential Russell Simmons. From what you did now, from what you did then to what you're doing now, from the clothes, from the jewelry, to the perfumes, to making us believe that we too can be billionaires like you. You did that thing, Russell, and you deserve your flowers. God bless you, brother. We love you, brother. We appreciate you, brother. We respect you, brother. Always, on behalf of myself, Ed Lover, come on, send the podcast in the entire world of music, and especially the world of hip-hop. Russell Simmons, hail your flowers. I'm Ed Lover. This is Come On, Son, the podcast. Now, come on, son. The fuck out of here with that bullshit. We love you, Russ. Thank you, bro. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is being brought to you by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. No, I'm only playing. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> nah. Y'all keep going first. Everything else will fall into place. We'll talk at y'all next week, man. Y'all know what it is. Come on, son. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Krista Hayes and Kimana Paulus in downtown Chicago. This is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.